15.6 says, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord credited it as righteousness to him. Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for letting us come together and, and uh, allowing us the opportunity to worship you because you are worth it. Uh, God, I ask you to bless this time. Uh, allow us to focus on you. Help us put away our worries, our stresses, our fears. And God, this is all about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again. It's, it's my favorite story of all time. I was at this little church in Illinois, and every revival, we had one once a year, they would start that revival with, I'll fly away. Every single year, and there was this young man who would come and sit with me, and he would give me this look, and he'd say, Jerry, I bet you $100 we're gonna, they're going to sing, I'll fly away. And as soon as the pianist would start, he would, he would look over and give me that look and do this number. And his face made me so happy. But that was the way they always started the revival because it was just such a, a good song and it's such a good way to start the service here too. And I'm gonna say, hey, I'm glad you're here and if you're watching online, I'm glad you're here. Um, sometime during the service, would you take a minute and fill out your connection card? Uh, otherwise, hey, we're, we're here to worship God. So let's take just a minute or two or three. Uh, let's say some hellos. Let someone feel welcome.
Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So send I you. Thank you. 
was a beautiful song. Thank you. Hey, so before we, we jump in, I, I've got to warn you and pre-warn pre you here. This is important. I'm going to blend names a little bit. So if I say like Moses or David or, or Jonah, any of those names, just assume I'm going to talk about Abraham. So whatever name comes out of my mouth for the next 24 minutes, I mean Abraham, even if I don't say it. So don't make fun of me after the service is done. Uh, if, if you've been following along our core 52, this is week number four. Uh, we're going to discuss the covenant. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to be there all day long. We're going to read more than just verse 6. So we're going we're gonna to look at the chapter, but we won't, we won't waste all the time just reading over and over and over. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. And if you've been in church any amount of time... There's probably nothing in this, this passage of Scripture that you're going to say, oh, I never knew that before. On a side note, I, I used to say if you've been in church for a long time and you've been following Jesus, you're a, a, what I would call a well-seasoned believer, and I'm looking for a new term. I've been using well-seasoned for too long, and, and I realize this week when I say well-seasoned, it, it makes you sound like a sailor who's been out on sea too long, and you're, you're withered by the sun and the, the water, and... I don't think I like that anymore, so I'm looking for a new term for someone who's been in the church for a long time, who's been following Jesus, and I don't like the word mature and immature believer, because every time I act silly, someone goes, ah, there, he's immature. I don't like that either, so if you have a term later on the service you can share with me for someone who's been in the church, don't tell me now, I'm going to forget. Um, if you have a term, I'm looking for a new one, it can't be well-seasoned and it can't be mature. That's neither here nor there. That's completely off topic. But we're going to be in Genesis 15. Genesis 15. You there? All right, let's read together. Now, this isn't anything new for you who have been in this, this church. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a, Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram, said, and Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. 
your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. We're going to stop there. And sometimes we look at these passages, and, and maybe you're like me, and, and sometimes we, we said we've studied this before, so we, we gloss over certain things. But when we take these, these pieces of Scripture, and especially as we're, as we're doing this set of the 52 most popular passages that are preached on in, in Christian churches, and we go into them deeper, when we look at this stuff, over, way too often we, we gloss over important details, and we go, we've heard that before, it's nothing important. And I, I could say that this happens very similar in a, in a family. A family that has young kids at home, and the kid always repeats himself. And pretty soon the mother or father goes, oh, I always heard that, I always heard that. And they kind of tone the kid out, and then they wait 20 years, and their child's not at home, and what do they say? Oh, I, I miss that, I miss that. I, I wish I could have that again. So believers, if you've heard this passage again, and you've heard it over and over, don't just tune it out and say, oh, I've heard that before. This is important. Because when we, we take this very small piece of Scripture, what do we see in it? There's, there's, something, there's something here. And this covenant teaches us about who God is. And so we gloss over that too much. We say, oh, we know who God is. But when we slow these things down and, and really, really look at it and think about it, how does the covenant teach us who God is? It's easy. Look at this passage again. Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. We're going to stop there. Do you, do you see that? Do you see that detail? Think about it again. Abram didn't say, God, you haven't given me a kid. I demand a child. Do you see that? Instead, God said, this is the deal I'm making with you. Let me put this in a better context. Suppose you have a young child at house. And just suppose, let's, let's for the sake of this argument, let's just say he's a boy. And he's got the, the world's grossest bedroom. And luckily, I don't know anyone who has a really gross bedroom. So suppose this, this hypothetical son comes to his father one day and says, Dad, I'm going to clean my room, and when I do, you will buy me pizza for dinner. Be honest, guys. If that happened to you, would you say, okay? Or would you say, no, you're going to clean your room because I told you to. Now, be honest. Now, you might say, that sounds like a decent deal, maybe. But more than likely, what you're going to say is, you are not the authority in this house. You, as a child, do not get to demand and make these deals. You, you see what's going on here? Abram was in no position to say, God, you will give me an heir. 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 You will give me a child. You will give me an offspring. You will do this. Instead, it was God who did it. And what does that teach us? It is the authority is the one who makes the deals. When you have two nations that are at war, who gets to really dictate the terms of the treaty? It's not the nation that's losing. It is the nation that's winning. In a home, when you have someone that's looking to make a deal, who is the one that has the final say in the deal? 
It is the authority. And when we start looking at this passage, this covenant, if nothing else, teaches us that God is the authority. It was God who made the, the details. It was God who made the arrangements. It was God who laid out, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. And then Abram said, I agree. The covenant is a real clear reminder of who the authority is. And why does that matter? Because as, as Christians, there's one or two parts here. Number one, we need to be really careful when dealing with the authority, especially now because we're in this nation that allows us to vote for who we are putting in authority over our, our homes and our family and our lives. And so why do people get upset? And I, I, I get mad at Christians who don't vote and they go, why, why, Jared, what's the big deal? Because you're voting for the person that you are giving authority over your life. You need to make sure you're voting for someone who is making these rules and these regulations that abide by the authority that we know oversees everything. Second, we see this and it's very, very, very clear. Abram was in no place and in no position to make deals with God. He could accept the deal. He couldn't make the deal. And Christians, I'm going to tell you this. We have to be really careful of this. Because I've seen so many, and I, I'm, again, I, mean, I hate this term, we have seen so many well-seasoned believers and all of a sudden they forget who the authority is and they want to make deals with God and they want to make demands of God. And I want to say, I, I think you have forgotten who the authority is in this relationship. And they'll say things like, I need God to do this for me and whatever it is comes after. Or I need God to take care of this for me and whatever it is comes after. And then they, they start puffing up their chest and they start saying, well, if God doesn't do this, either God doesn't exist or God doesn't care about me. And I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't make a demand of God. The covenant shows us this. The covenant shows us who's in charge. We are in no position to make a demand of God. We can petition, and we know in the New Testament, God wants us to bring our, our prayers and our petitions and our requests to him. We know that, but we absolutely, 100%, cannot demand anything of God. We can't say, this is our rules, God will follow. That's what the covenant shows us. It was God who made this deal with Abram. And Abram asked a very valid question right, right there, I think in verse 3. He says, God, I don't have an heir. I don't, I don't have my, my own son. Who's, it's, it's someone else's son who's going to be in, in the head of my home. See, he wasn't demanding God give him something. He was merely saying, how? What's, what's going on here? If you've been following along these last, these last four weeks, as we go through, if you've been doing that, it is a very clear reminder that this world that we're living in is not ours. It's not. Uh, this, this home that we have, it, it's not ours. Uh, this world that we live in, it's, it's not ours. This creation that we're, we're living in, it's, it's not ours. Uh, we might have a part of it, but, but really God, God created it and put us in charge of it to make sure we're caring for things, but really what is creation? Creation's God's. Why? Because God is, is the authority. So let me ask this easy question before we move on because I know the majority of people that have been in this church for a long time they're going to do this they're going to say yep God's the authority yep 
Yep, God's the authority. But is that true? Is, is God really the authority in your life, in my life, in our life? Because I think a lot of Christians will come to church and they say, yes, I believe God is the authority, but then we walk out and you know who we, we make the authority of our, our life? It's a glowing screen. I, I believe all too often we get this, this glowing screen in front of us and we allow it to determine morality and ethics in our life. We allow this glowing screen to tell us what is right and wrong, what is good, what is bad, what is normal, what is not normal. So we sit in church and say, God's the authority, and then we step out and we let everything around us affect what we see as authority. It, it's really happening a lot with these young believers. I can ask them some, some social questions that the, the society is dealing with now, and I'll say, what do you think of this situation? What do you think of this situation? And they'll say, well, the scripture says this, but... And then what they're doing is, is they're bringing in all the, the outside influences. And so the, the question here is, is really strong. Who is your authority? Who is teaching you right and wrong? Uh, the easiest example right now is, is we can say, God said stealing is wrong. But right now, society around us is saying, stealing is wrong, but you won't get in trouble if it's under $50. So we have to ask ourselves really, really clearly when we look at this passage, this covenant is teaching us who God is. Is God the authority in your life? Is God the one who is telling you what direction to go, what is right, what is wrong, how to live, or is some other outside influence doing that? And that is the question only we can answer for ourselves. Let's dive back in. This time we're going we're to jump over here in verse 7. And he said, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other but he did not cut the birds in half and when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses abram drove them away as the sun was going down a deep sleep fell on abram and behold dreadful and great darkness fell upon him then the lord said to abram know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried, look at these words here, in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Look at I'm going to point this out here. God says you're going to be buried in a good old age. That is kind of a scary term to me. I, if I'm having this sleep and I'm having this vision and God says, you're going to be buried in a good old age, I don't know how I feel about that. I have some mixed opinions. I don't know if I want to live to be a good old age. How long is that exactly? What if I want to live to be a great good old age? 
Maybe I want to be a great, great, great good old age. There is too much ambiguity there. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this. I also know that God has the power over life and death. He brought one person back from the grave. I don't know what God means here. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of problems here, and I, I personally, I, I feel bad for Abram a little bit. Because, see, this brings us to our second problem. And see, the covenant teaches us about what time is. There, there is a lot of flexibility here in this passage. When God said it's going to happen, did you see any passage there when he was telling Abram that your, your people will be as great as the number of stars? Did you see exactly where that will happen, when that will happen, how that will happen? Our idea of time and God's idea of time don't always line up. For instance... My head kind of hurts. I'm going to pray and say, God, I'm really kind of tired of my head hurting. After I'm done praying, you know what I expect? I expect it to stop hurting right that second. Not five minutes, not ten minutes. I want it right now. So we pray these things, and we had this certain expectation that, God, I want this, this situation taken care of now. And see, our idea and God's idea of what time is do not always line up. And that is a real problem. And I, I, wonder, I wonder, sitting here looking at this passage with Abram, so God promised Abram these, this, this huge nation that's going to come from him. And I wonder from what point in time, from Genesis chapter 15 to Genesis chapter 16, I want to know what happened in Abram's mind. Because he went from hearing this promise that you're going to be a great nation, and he went from that to, well, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm going to... I'm going to have a child with my, my wife's handmaiden. I really, I really want to know what, what Abram was thinking. I really want to know what was going on in his mind. Because I know what I would think if, if I was sitting and, and you said, Jerry, let's, let's go have a soda, and I'll meet you at Schlotsky's at 12. If I got there at 12, I would look around. If you're not there, I would say, you're running behind. If it got to be 12.30 and I've drank three cups of soda and you still weren't there, my very first impression would be, did I misunderstand what you said? That would be my natural response is, is I messed this up, I misunderstood, not you misunderstood or you messed up. I would naturally say, I goofed up, I must have misheard her, him, I must have misunderstood her or him, um, something happened, something went wrong, it's my fault, I'm on the wrong time, obviously I goofed up. I wonder if, if Abram thought that. Did he think, I must have misunderstood what God was saying? I misunderstood exactly what, what God meant. Maybe, maybe he meant I was going to have a big nation and it was going to come from me, but it wasn't going to come from my wife, Sarah. It was going to come from someone else. And so naturally, that the progression is, I misunderstood. I'm going to make some, some statements here. And that's where the problem is. See, this covenant shows us about what time is. And, and if you've been here for the last three weeks, who made time? The time was, was made by God when he made the sun, the moon, the stars, when he put our world in motion, and when the fall happened and sin happened and we started slowly aging, and we started getting these diseases and these, these issues that we face because we are sinful people and we're no longer in a perfect environment, when all that happened, this idea of time that we have was made by God. 
So when we look at time, and I believe what God looks at at time is, is two drastically different things. God made time. We didn't. So our perception of time is not always exactly what did, did God say, but we, we get this, this confusion here, and the covenant shows us something really clear. Our idea in time and God's idea of time is not the exact same thing. And Christians, we, we as Christians have a real serious problem with this because we bow our head and we pray and we, our prayers are very similar. God, I'm sick. Or Lord, people are hurting. Or God, I need you to take this. Or you know, something's going on. This is a crisis. And then we pray, God, please fix it. And then we open our eyes and we look around and we go, okay, I'm waiting. And we wait. And when, when God doesn't answer the exact way we do, we, we have problems. Because sometimes we, we have this, this idea and we look at it and we say, okay, God didn't answer the prayer. We thought the way he should. God's still in control. I understand that. Or number, the other response is <clears throat> we pray for these things and it's something catastrophic. It's big. And we pray, we say, God, take this, fix this, help us, whatever it is. And when God doesn't, frequently we go, well, no God. No God, I'm done. There's no God, I gotta go. Or third, and this is my, my personal favorite. I pray, I wait, God doesn't answer the way I, I want him to do. And I go, but God's mad at me. That's my, that's my response. God must be mad at me. Oh, it happens. And see, we have these responses. The problem is, is the covenant teaches us about time. Abram was promised something. It didn't happen at the time he thought it did. So he went and tried to circumvent God's promise, which we know as seasoned believers, it led to all sorts of problems. The same problems that we're seeing in the Middle East right now is because of, of Abram's impatience. That's what we, we see right now. And we do the exact same thing all the time. We pray, we say, God, why isn't this happening? Why haven't you fixed it? And we think that God's supposed to act on our time, not his. For instance, there was a certain young man, I won't mention his name, but this individual was always broken poor. You know why he was broken poor? Because he kept getting speeding tickets and moving violations in his car. All the time. All the time he was getting tickets. And so a lot of his excess money, he was spent using either going to court, paying traffic fees, or paying this ridiculous amount of insurance because he kept speeding. So he prayed, God, I need help with my finances. Their expectations were, when I lift my head and open my eyes, God is going to bless my finances. That's a, a reasonable idea, I think. Okay, you prayed, you're, you're really struggling financially. You're, you're hoping God's going to bless your finances. It wasn't. Instead, God answered in time. You know what that time was? It was time to allow this individual, this man who had terrible driving habits, to mature, to grow up a little bit, and stop doing it. So God answered that prayer of his finances through time. It, it took time for this individual to grow up, learn a lesson, simmer down a little bit, have some patience, and all of a sudden... His budget's better. Why? Because he's not shelling out hundreds of dollars to the courts. So God answered it, but he answered it on God's time. He didn't answer it according to this person's time. And I, I look at this passage, and all I look at in this, in this point, when, when God says, you're going to be buried in a good old age, what that's telling Abram really clearly is I'll do it when I want to. 
I will bless you. I will fulfill my covenant when I want to. Why? Because I am the authority, not you. So we have to look at time, and we have to look at it so clearly. We have to look at it with the intention that time is God's. All right, the last one. We're going to go all the way down to verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kamenites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, Canaanites, and the Gigash, and the Jabbosites. You know what happened when, when those things passed through? Remember that Abram took these animals, cut them in half, put them on one side and the other, and he said he was, he was shooing the birds away, and he was waiting. And as that time came, this is it. It says the, the sun had gone down, and it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. You know what that was? That was the Spirit of God going between, making this covenant. I'm going to tell you right now. It wasn't more than 50 years ago, 40 years ago, my, my time's messed up, that if, if the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, would have walked through the, the streets, there would have been a bunch of young girls going, oh, and they would have fainted because they were, they, were so, they were so enamored by the presence of Elvis Presley passing by them. And they would sweat, and they would get so happy, the king of rock and roll, and People blacked out because they were so excited. Just being in the presence of Elvis Presley made people lightheaded. I'm going I'm to point this out. Abram just slaughtered these animals for the, the, this covenant, this promise that God was making, and here comes the Spirit of the Lord and it passes between them. That is an incredible experience. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? being in the presence of God as he finalizes his share of the covenant. He's making the deal. See, we know in Scripture frequently when it says every knee will bow, I don't think God's going to make us bend a knee. I believe we are going to be so, so awed by the presence of God, we are going to drop like rocks. I think we are going to feel so inferior in the presence of perfection. We are going to fall, and many of us are going to fall flat on our faces and it's not because he's forcing us, it's because it's going to be awe-inspiring. And here is this moment, and God passes through. You know what this does? Maybe, maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me, but the covenant teaches us about who we are to God. I might, I might make some people mad here with my opinion, but if you've spent any time in the Old Testament, you, you might share your opinion, but my opinion of Abram is simple. Abram's a coward. I, I look at Abram, and, and he is a weak, weak man. Um, he's indecisive. I, I think he's a peacekeeper to a fault. I look at Abram, and all I could think of is wimp. I don't see anything impressive about Abram. I see nothing. Um, I, I don't think he was overly powerful, especially when the, the covenant was made, especially when God called him. I, I don't think he was overly influence, uh, influential, influential. I don't think he was overly rich. I don't think there was anything really special about Abram here at all. And all of a sudden, what we see is God chose Abram to make this deal. And why is this important? I'm, I'm going to tell you. 
it shows us who we are to God. See, God chose this weak, weak man to make one of the biggest promises this world has ever seen. God chose him not because he was special, not because he was the best, not because of anything there, but simply because he saw the potential in Abram. I'm going to tell you, family, that, that means something to us today. Because we are Abram. The majority of us are average. The majority of us are nothing super special. The majority of us will not, will not go on and, and do monumental things. The majority of us are just an Abram. We're just, we're broken people. We're weak. We don't have a lot of talents. We don't have a lot of skills. But God chooses people for his will, not because of who they are, but because of who he is. And that to me is incredible. And so maybe if you, you take nothing else from this, this message, I, I want you to take this, this part here. I want you to understand who, who we are to God, and I want, you to, I want you to remember, based on the covenant, who we are to God, because we have so many people in this world that are walking around, and they believe they are nothing special. They believe, just like we talked about in those last three weeks, they believe they are nothing but a pile of goop that's descendant of something that's crawled out of the ocean. They're not special. They're not fearfully and wonderfully made. They're nothing but this pile of cells and mass that is not special, that is not gifted, that is not loved. And so we, we have these people walking around the world saying, I, I'm not special. No one cares about me. No one loves me. I'm, I'm not really worth anything. And I want, I want to look at this and say, that's not true. Because God loves average people. We have Christians. We have Christians who are walking around believing that there are nothing special. There's nothing good about them. There's nothing wonderful. And they're looking, they're looking for this value from anywhere they can, either from people, from money, from, from other things, from what they buy, what they do. And they're, they're looking for this fulfillment that they're never going to get until they realize this right here, this covenant that we're, we're teaching about, is the answer to so many people's self-esteem problems. They're saying, I'm not good. And I'm saying, oh, that's not what the covenant tells us. That's, that's not what the, the covenant shows us. The covenant shows us that God uses regular, kind of not very good people to accomplish incredible things. God is willing to make a promise to people that is seemingly insignificant with just regular, average people. Why? Here it is. Because in my time of ministry, I have been to more maternity wards. I've been to more homes when the newborn comes home. I've been to more award ceremonies and graduations and parties and these celebrations and these, these like, uh, the, when you get, like, a, a medal, um, a lot of times at the end of a season of sports, I'll have this medal ceremony, and they, they come and talk about everything that athlete's accomplished. And I've seen all this stuff. In the maternity ward, all the way through, it's always the same thing. In a regular situation, there are some bad people, but I always see the same thing. There's always a mom who is looking at that child, either a newborn, or they're just home, or they just graduated, or they just accomplished something, and that mom is just beaming with pride. Man, I hear the word so, so often. They say, that person's so handsome. That person's so pretty. My baby is just perfect. My baby is so gifted. And see, they see, they see it because it's their child. It's their creation. They made that child. They look at that child, and no matter how ugly that baby is, a baby is not ugly to a mom. Just doesn't work. 
no matter how small the accomplishment is to a loving mother, that child just won the Nobel Peace Prize in their book. And they look at that child and they're beaming with pride and saying, that is my baby. They're so perfect. They're so good. Oh, they're so wonderful. And I believe 100% that's how God looks at his creation. And I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it to men especially because men are at this, at this state in life right now where they're saying, hey, if you're a man, you're bad. And that's shown because uh, suicidal rates in men is exponentially higher than women. And so I'm going to tell it. I tell it to guys all the time. And everyone looks at me like I'm being wimpy. Men, you're special too. Women, you're special. The covenant alone, if you get nothing else out of core 52 from this week, just week chapter, week number four, if you get nothing else except for this, take this home with you. You're special to God. God can use you. God wants to use you. God doesn't see what the world sees. God sees what God sees. God looks at you like a proud parent. In fact, it's funny because Abram made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and it seems like, it seems like God was able to see the good in Abram. And so if, if you're listening to this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, you're special. And you're so special that Jesus gave his life for you. That's how special you are. So it's not just God says, oh, I love you. God says, I love you so much, I'm going to show you. So as our, as our praise team comes up to lead us in a song of decision, if you have not made a decision to say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to follow him because he loves me so much and he values me, today's the day. Hey, if you're watching online and you want to make a decision for Jesus, I'm going to tell you, today's the day. Um, get a hold of us at the church office as you're watching. We can, we can make arrangements. If you want to get baptized, come on down. We'll, we'll dunk you in the water. It's great. Uh, if you're a, a baptized believer and you want to be part of our family, uh, come on down. We'll welcome you. Uh, if you want prayers, um, come. we'll pray with you. No judgment. Hey, if you're watching online, on the back of your connection card, you can put your prayer request there. Uh, we get them. We look at them. We read them. We pray about them. It's important. Um, but if you have a decision to make, now's the time. Let's stand together.
and sisters. What a beautiful day the Lord's provided for us to be out and about. Just think about openly the things that Brother Jerry gave us for guidance. This Core 52, as we go through it as part of our daily commembrance with the Lord, a lot. When I look at the things that I'm supposed to do in remembrance, because this has been part of our relationship with the Lord God, it's already there. So, it's the strength of being blessed by the words of God that provide for our feeling of well-being. Application is what these words do for us. So let, if you don't have the answers, the Lord does. In fact, that's why he set up the original relationship between Adam, Eve, and him. All they had to do was request, and he would fulfill. The same is true today, but in a different setup. We have to reach and use the tools that the Lord's bestowed on each and every one of us. I feel loved and cared for. Why? Because have you ever had your parents, your teacher, your cared for person respond to you in love and caring? That warm fuzzy that comes up builds a strong, loved child of God. I feel loved and cared when I hear or read the following scripture. I saw it this week when I was reading in my remembrance in the morning. It's John, first chapter, 29th verse. I'm going to read to you from the New King James Version. The next day, when John saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Look, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Just think about the weight of a man who took on all the sins. I meant what I, he, he said. A man who comes after me surpasses me because he was before me. When John revealed the great salvation that was coming 
to make me feel loved. During our communion meditation, I request that your hearts incline toward that sacrifice, that loving sacrifice, so that your souls feel the warmth and content of Christ's presence in your heart. Let us pray. To our Father we pray. We confess that we have sinned and not kept your commandments. We often do not lovers love others as we should love as we do ourselves. We ask the Holy Spirit to bless us with his presence as we read the words of Core 52, we ask for the forgiveness of our Savior. Please, Father in heaven, please forgive us. Jesus, thank you, for we know that as we go forward and have a contrite heart and practice the forgiveness and look as a child of God upon our place, not only in our hearts, but in yours. Thank you so much. Amen.
on the inside of our bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Uh, we have all of our youth activities this evening. Roger's group is not meeting tonight. Um, Dale's group will be meeting, the Core 52 group. We have our LOL this week. Uh, we have all of our Bible studies Wednesday and throughout the week. Uh, we have the Pancake Breakfast Saturday, and all the proceeds that come into the Pancake Breakfast will go to uh, Santa on the West End this month. Uh, we still have a note about giving statements that we want you to take note of. Also, on the 11th, we're going to have a, a, a Super Bowl game night and, part, uh, and food night here at the church. We'll watch the game in here and over there. Those who don't want to watch the game can um, play game, uh, play board games and such, and bring soups and salad or soups and uh, chilies and things like that. There's an announcement about that in the bulletin. We have an, a note about Operation Christmas Child. Also, Singspiration will be taking place this evening. Yeah, that is tonight, isn't it? At uh, five o'clock. So please bring a dessert to share. And excuse me. Oh, it's at Whetstone. It's in your bulletin. Do I have to read everything? <laughs> anyway, those are the things that we'll be doing this week. And right now I want to show you our memory verse video for the week. It should be a little easier than last week. Plus, it'll be a full video. Our core verse number four comes from Genesis chapter 15 and verse six. Again, it's a shorter verse, so let me just remind you of a couple of things. Our three rules, number one, repeat, repeat, repeat. Number two, hands, feet, hands, feet. The more your hands and feet move, the quicker you learn the verse. And number three, 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 three. About three minutes per verse, about three days before you can memorize it without looking at it, and three weeks, you have to say it every day for three weeks to embed it permanently. That's why you should always be working on three of these work memory verses at a time. So since this is number four, you should review verse number two, Genesis 1.26, verse number three, Genesis 3.6, and now this one. And again, we're going to start with it, with the location, say the verse, end with the location. Genesis 15, verse 6. Genesis 15, verse 6. And he, now here's a, just another insight. The Bible says he, but I might add the word Abram, or even say Abraham. I know that's not exactly what the verse says, but because you're quoting it out of context, you want to remember who you're talking about. So I'm just going to go ahead and put Abraham for he. And Abraham believed the Lord. And so what are the hand motions? Abraham, our father Abraham, he believed. So I'm going to put my fist together. I don't know why, it just this seems like believe to me. And he believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. Say it over and over again. And Abraham believed the Lord. 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 And he counted it to him as righteousness. He counted it to him. One, two, three, four. He counted it to him as righteousness. And this is kind of it's my own secret. It's a halo. And he counted it to him as righteousness. That way I could actually do the motions while I'm preaching or teaching this text and no one would really know what it means. So here we go. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Two parts. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. One more time. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. 
Genesis 15, verse 6. Good job. I hope that you're taking time to memorize scripture because it's so important in your life. Just a side note on Core 52, the books that you have, we tell you you don't need to bring them on Sunday because those are basically, one way to look at them, they're devotional books. And so use those for that. They'll supplement what we do on Sunday. And we hope that uh, you're gaining some knowledge and some growth through those. On the back side of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns. I got word uh, this morning that uh, Mary McTyree passed away. Uh, I think it was last night. So she's one of our shut-ins. So keep Mary's family in your prayers. Uh, TCMI would like to thank us for their support and the donations to help them continue to do the work that they do. We have uh, concerns that we've been praying for around the world and, and things are going on. We have a lot of people with health issues. We have troops who are, who are serving around uh, the world. We're, we're focusing on, on CareNet as our outreach. We're focusing in on uh, Boise Bible College as our mission. We have a lot of people who are shut-ins right now that we're praying for. Also, we're trying to uh, continue to pray for Brad, Brad Reichard, that he continues to heal, and we'll get him back here soon. So at this time, let's stand together. I'll give the opportunity to take your heart to the Lord, and then I'll close this with prayer as our praise team comes up. Let's pray together. Father God, we're truly blessed. We're blessed that you made a covenant clear back with Abraham. And Father, that we're recipients of that covenant. And Father, I pray that as we live our life this week, that we do so with joy, with excitement, knowing that you love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. church this morning. Have a great week in the Lord, everybody. And and don't forget tonight, if you can make it, see inspiration at Whetstone Church at 5 p.m.